For me, I love the term impact because I think it is it's critical to to what we do. If we're not having impact, then then what are we doing? Um, but when I think of impact, I bucket it into three main themes. How are we helping the uh, business make money, save money, or mitigate risk? Uh, those are the things that that we mean by impact. And now people will argue and say, well, what about employee satisfaction and individual development? Those things all still feed feed into that. But it's what is that ultimate outcome? What can somebody do better that they weren't able to do at the at the start? Welcome to episode three of Toto Talks Talent. In this episode, we're thinking all about learning with impact. And the episode features a conversation with Laurie Niles Hoffman, who will be the guest speaker at our upcoming Toto user event. And before we hear from Laurie, we're joined by Rachel, who's the head of community at Toto. Rachel, could you tell us all about the event and what people can expect if they sign up? Yeah, absolutely. So this is our first virtual community user conference um, and we've titled it Learning with Impact. Um, and the idea is to bring together Toto users and experts from around the world to share best practice and learn from one another. So we're super excited to have Laurie Niles Hoffman giving the keynote at the session. Um, and But we're also going to have customer panels, demonstrations, breakout sessions where people can chat about hot topics in L&D and HR um, and opportunities to speak directly to our TOTRA team as well. Um, We're managing the event through a dedicated workspace in the community as well. So even after the event, there'll be a place that people can go to to watch back sessions or continue the conversation there. So we're really excited um, about this and it's happening in February, February the 21st um, at 3pm UK time. Rachel, you've got a lot of experience in L&D. And I wondered, just for you personally, what learning with impact means? So I think for me, learning with impact is about thinking about the outcomes of the work that we're doing. And as L&D professionals, we can get caught up quite a lot in content development. And I think years ago, that was a big part of the L&D role was producing training content and pushing it out to people and then tracking whether they'd seen it or not. But actually, we're really doing ourselves a disservice if that's the way that we think about our roles today. We deliver training because we want there to be learning outcomes. We want people to be able to do something differently or better or not do something. We want there to be a behavior change as a result of the training that we've delivered. And we want there to be business outcomes. You know, the business is normally paying for this training because it needs its people to have these skills or to act in a particular way. And so it's about us being really tuned into what the outcomes are, what is the impact of the training that we're delivering. And what that enables us to do is be much more consultative as well. So this is not just about, you know, the answer isn't actually always a piece of training. So the first question perhaps we should be asking is, you know, is is training even the answer? There are many ways that people can develop new skills. It helps us to kind of be a broader in our thinking and um, yeah and always to be having our eye on that you know what's the end point what's the, the outcome that we're looking for so I'm really really looking forward to having an opportunity to spend a few hours with our community users really thinking about that what does that mean from their perspective and, and to hear from great speakers like Laurie who's who's going to have lots of great stuff to say about that. So Rachel if people sign up to the event they'll get lots of practical tips there's lots of opportunities to network um, and they'll be able to reflect really on, on how they can make an impact at their own organization is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So the idea is that we're just bringing together L&D professionals from around the world to really focus on what outcomes and impact means in the work that we do. And as well as listening to great speakers like Laurie, who I know we're going to hear from today, um, we'll also have breakout rooms, opportunities to have discussions around hot topics in L&D and HR. Um, And in terms of practical things, we're really hoping that people will come away with loads of great ideas. But we're also developing a practical toolkit with Laurie, which will be available to all of our attendees. So that's something 
something really exciting to look forward to. So if you do want to sign up for the event, there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and you can join us at a virtual community user event. Thanks, Rachel. It's been great to talk to you. Thanks, Matt. Hi, Laurie. Um, so we're recording this episode at the end of 2023. So just as a starting point, I was wondering how your year's been, really. It's actually been a wonderful year. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've finally been able to travel uh, normally, which, is, which has been great, and uh, been on site with uh, lots of clients. So I cannot complain. Um, where in the world is uh, 2023 taken you, Laurie? Oh, wow. Uh, so I just counted off of uh, uh, seven weeks of, uh, of travel where I was in uh, the UK, the Netherlands, Poland and Germany. <laughs> oh, amazing. And do you, actually, just quickly on that, do you notice uh, a difference in, in how different um, countries have take L&D or do you, do you find there's quite a lot of similarity across uh, regions and, and countries? Very, very, a lot of differences. So it's very, very different. And I think it really depends too on how they learn in school. Because uh, there are several different schools of, of thought, um, literally schools of thought in school. Um, so for example, in the Nordics, they will have a, a, a different approach in terms of how you learn in a more holistic manner, whereas other countries would be more subject matter based. So yeah, it's definitely uh, an interesting thing to observe. And also too, the language and how language is structured impacts how how learning is delivered and it's it's it really is fascinating yeah it's amazing to think how that the way you start learning and the way you're thinking about education really affects how you continue to do it for the rest of your life as an adult yes absolutely okay Laurie, so on the 21st of february next year we'll be doing um a Tetra community event at which you'll be the the, the keynote speaker and that event's going to be focused on um, learning with impact as L&D professionals trying to support workers across industries and roles, and broadly speaking, what do you think of when I suggest a phrase like learning with impact? Well, for me, I love the term impact because I think it is it's critical to to what we do. If we're not having impact, then then what are we doing? Um, but when I think of impact, I bucket it into three main themes. How are we helping the uh, business make money, save money, or mitigate risk. Uh, those are the things that that we mean by impact. And now people will argue and say, well, what about employee satisfaction and individual development? Those things all still feed feed into that. But it's what is that ultimate outcome? What can somebody do better that they weren't able to do at the at the start? Okay. And if I'm sort of in an L and D team. And I'm trying to demonstrate the impact. So I think that's one of the challenges sometimes. You might think as in an L&D team, you're doing really well, you, like your programs are having an impact. But maybe one of the challenges is reporting on that or demonstrating that to other key stakeholders across the business. I wonder if you had any advice on how to demonstrate that impact. For me, it always comes down to you have to identify the evidence of need before even putting your fingers on keyboard or pen to paper. And that's something that's often missing is that L&D will get a request, somebody feels that there's a need, um, they will do some performance consulting to dissect that and then come up with a solution. And afterwards, there's this scramble to find the data to support that this actually had impact or there was a return on investment. I turn that around and say, you have to have that evidence of need at the beginning. So if the business says we need you know, content on, on coaching. Okay, how do you know that? Are you seeing it in uh, retention surveys? Are you seeing this in employee engagement surveys? Is it uh, something that people are commonly putting in when they, uh, in, during leaving interviews? Any of those things, what is it that, that you have as evidence of, of, of need? And now with so much data that is available, uh, you should be able to pinpoint that pretty readily at the beginning. Do you think sometimes there's just like a rush to make an impact before you've actually yeah. stopped and made a properly decent plan? So maybe you're just under pressure from different stakeholders to achieve something now 
Um, but yeah. actually, if you spent more time reflecting on that at the start, like you say, getting those different inputs, you could actually have a much larger impact over time if, if you're a bit slower at the start. I would completely agree with that. And, and it's also quite difficult because if we look at the way the model of how L&D is set up in most companies, you know, at the beginning of the year, they're given their metrics and they say, we're going to build this many courses, um, you know, and, and, and have this many hours of learning. And if they don't deliver against that, well, that's your your bonus or your your success metric skewed. So, and it can be very challenging then when a business partner comes in and you, you aren't always in a position to push back. You may not have seniority or they may already have put money into that budget. So that's their expectation. They've, they've come to the McDonald's counter with their money, right? And you can't always say, wait a second, I'm not going to deliver that. So some of that also needs to change as well to, to really have that type of model. How do you think you can begin to start making those changes? It's not it's not an easy shift, is it, for organization? Like you say, like sometimes there's that pressure just to immediately deliver. Like, is, is there anything as an LD professional listening to this, for example, you could start to do to maybe shift that away or I don't know, have a different way of approaching impact? Sure. I think the biggest thing that I've done in this is that keeping that question, you know, evidence of, of need, but you're gonna to need to have an ally in the business who's going to have your back for when you say no. And that and be very, very clear to say, look, these are this is when we build learning. This is when we don't build learning. We don't build learning or deploy learning or buy learning just simply because somebody thinks it's a good idea. And that that senior stakeholder and I mean at the C-suite has to communicate down. There will not be shadow L&D where somebody, you, you know, if L&D says no, you go off and build your own thing. Um, and they also support support your decisions. So you become just as rigorously managed as, say, product development is within your company. There's no reason we shouldn't be like that in L&D. Um, but you're going to need to have that, that senior stakeholder. So identify that person who's going to be able to help you push that agenda through. And then you're going to go through a period of transition where you are saying no to things and communicate why you've said no and get people to understand that, you, again, you're not that McDonald's counter that you just go to endlessly to, to say, would you like fries with that? It's quite a brave thing to say no, though, isn't it? You have to be sort of quite confident in yourself and in your position and your ability, really, as well as as, as that ability to foster relationships with C-suite, to be able to say no. I don't know if you have any strategies in, in how to develop those relationships, or even, like you say, is it just about explaining why you're saying no in, in more detail? Yeah, is, well, explaining why you're saying no is, is also is also critical. But you have to know yourself before you do that. What when are the cases that you do say no? Okay, so that's one big thing you need to sit down and say. So I I said you know you, there has to be evidence of need. Uh, this is not something that is that could be done by marketing or communications. Like so, you have to go through you know how many uh, how is this going to help us save money, make money, mitigate risk, all of those things. So you you know when you say no. But I think the other thing too that 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 strategy is and I touched on it before, the problem with L&D is that everybody's gone to school, so they think they know how people learn and they know what learning is. But we would never go to, say, product development and say, uh, you know, do this or give this a try, or try this and that. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't go to your engineering team unless you had that background. You wouldn't go to your marketing team and say, I think this could be done differently. Um, and, but that's the problem with L&D is that people have that, that false sense of security with it. So I think it's being very, very data-driven and, and coming up with also to some examples of when you've been able to do things really, really well or when you said no to something, what the impact was. Those are the, the things that actually will speak for you. Thanks, Larry. And one of the things, we did a webinar recently on, on data, and uh, one of the things that we called out on that was that sometimes L&D teams might feel a little bit, um, well, I don't know, unskilled maybe, even on um, how to measure 
data correctly and you're getting lost in a sea of data maybe and just feeling you're drowning in too much data once you get into hundreds of, of um, reports or things like how can you measure actually with data that learning has been effective well, you know, the thing is, I think with data, it, it becomes like a, a very dangerous word that people think data is, you know, going to be thousands of Excel spreadsheets and, you know, and CSV files and all these things that you're going to be working with. The first thing that I do is talk to IT and find out what data they're already tracking. Okay, because usually they have things that are very basic that don't require a lot of manipulation. I want to look at things like search terms, time of day, basic things like that. Same with HR systems. You know, there's a lot of data that's tracked in there that is in very digestible format, um, and they they're they're usually you know have some some sort of data visualization on top of that. So you don't need to have a you know a, a data analytics background. I think it's just getting the mindset that you are looking at these proactively instead of just keeping them in the in, in in the back right so that it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be complicated you don't need to be saying i'm going to set up a whole lrs and have a data lake and 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 you know that's nice to have when you get there but just start with the best basics I ask it what are some things that you are already tracking ask hr what are some things you're already tracking and use that um you know and then there's other simple things you can do goal setting at the beginning of the year that's usually in an hris pull those out, uh, you know, so make sure they're anonymized, but look at what are some of the themes? Does your learning for the year that you've been planning towards, does it even align with that? You know, I had one one case where uh, all these people put, you know, agile uh, was going to be, you know, their theme. Well, this wasn't an agile company. This was a, uh, a waterfall-based company. So so that that's also, it's not even a learning problem at that point. It's like, this there's a communication issue there. So just look at some of those basic things. Do you think it comes back to the point that you made really just a few minutes ago, actually, about maybe you get stuck and um, you've built something and then you're looking to report on it afterwards and you're just seeing what's available and you're, and just, you're pulling out lots of numbers from everywhere and you're trying to show the impact afterwards as opposed to from the start modeling that and thinking, okay, these are all the things that we could report on, but actually what's the most important to demonstrate learning? Is it something that we can pull out at the start? You know what I'm saying? It's like coming from the beginning and reflecting on what we need to showcase something as opposed to seeing what's available afterwards and then just putting lots and lots of things together and showcasing those things. Completely agree. It's it's more about a diagnosis versus an autopsy. That's a good expression. Um, autopsies can get quite smelly as well. They, they can, and um, I don't think anyone really wants to have one done. <laughs> so we're just thinking about a little bit, and as we call them towards the end of 2023 here, looking into the future of 2024. So this year, for me especially, I've been delving into a lot of AI and, and considering the fast-paced nature of technological advancements really in computing. And I wonder if this is going to get a little bit overwhelming for people next year when they're thinking a bit more about impact and developing um, learning strategies and programs with impact. Do you, do you think that there's a chance that teams might feel a little bit worried about AI or about new technologies and how to stay on top of these things to actually show that there's, their teams are performing well? Yeah, AI, it's, it's, it's very interesting because I, I, I laugh when I go on LinkedIn um, or even some other, you know, forums that I'm a part of where, you know, there'll be people saying, and AI will allow you to do this and then this and this. And I'm like, yes, it will. But tear, you know, teasing that apart, where's the how? What tool are you using? Where's the where's the data sitting? How are you pulling it out? In what format? Um, how are you assuring data privacy? So all of these things, there just seems to be a lot of loud voices saying all this magic is possible. And it is. But I think we need to get 
more towards the how. So the place where I like to go is uh, there's a website. I can send you the link. It's called There's an AI for that. Um, and it's, it's just a, it's well, it's it's AI driven, machine learning driven, and it, and it collects all new AI companies coming out. And, and I've, I've trained it so that it knows I'm looking for for learning, um, specifically corporate learning. Um, and um, there you really can see a lot of really very, very interesting tools um, that I, I, I find are, are quite intriguing. Um, also, too, what's interesting about those is a lot of those are B2C, business to consumer. They're not B2B. Uh, so that I find quite, quite interesting. It's all about individual development. Um, so, you know, Learniverse is one that I was playing with, for example, that, you know, you can say, I want you to build me a curriculum for any topic and it will it will build that for you. Um, so there's there's a lot of those types of toys out there. And I call them toys for a reason, because they're, they're still not targeting impact, um, but they are performing a function. But the thing you need to understand about AI, and I'm sure everybody listening understands this, is that AI is learning from us. So when it says, I'm going to build a course or I'm going to build a curriculum, it's building it based on what we, us or whomever, uh, the demigods out there, have decided is a good course or is a good curriculum. And that may not be the case because it's not looking at what it's not comparing courses to say, well, if I structured it in this way, I had a better outcome. It's not doing that type of data triangulation yet. Um, so it's 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 kind of a, a, an interesting time. But I'm seeing more solutions. And this is where I'm very fascinated is where. They're looking at data. Duolingo is one that that's been been out there for for ages, where it's actually looking at billions of times of people interacting with the, the platform to determine the best learning paths for people to learn a very specific uh, grammatical um, feature. And I find that that's where it gets really interesting because they're actually looking at the impact. Can this person use the uh, dative case in, in Polish, right? That's what I'm working on right now. So can they do that? And what did it take to get to that? And that the connecting of the dots is quite interesting. And it's why it, they're not giving you a standard course in what we think is a course. So that's the place where I find it, it's interesting. But if I had to go back and say, you know, how do we keep pace? Learning actually has always lagged when it comes to technology. I take a lot of my cues from marketing and where marketing technology has, has gone. So I would advise people for a different slant or to be able to be a, perhaps a little bit more critical of what gets put in front of them in ed tech. I'd be looking at MarTech, so marketing technology. Yeah, it's interesting. Laurie, I've come to a couple of your webinars before where you've said, actually, if you're um, a learning designer or an instructional designer, like making friends with the marketing team is like one of the best things you can do. And I know that I do a lot of work with our marketing department here as well. And it also helps me when I'm thinking about um, creating courses or promoting a course or even like making sure that people get the most out of their training and that actually can, we can see what they've taken and, and how they've interacted with things. And what are some of the, the tips from marketing that you think actually instructional designers or course creators really can consider? I think one of the really big ones is the thinking in terms of campaigns. Um, so they're, they're looking at the whole cycle between when a customer first becomes aware of a company to all the way to buy. And if we think of that for, for learning, it's very, very interesting because we, we tend to think of course in terms of content or learning in terms of content or course. We may in some more sophisticated ways have feedback and coaching and those loops put in, but we're not building that whole continuum. And it still relies on, on the, the learner finding 
or knowing which next step to take. Whereas marketing is all about guiding you to that next step. They call it lead nurturing along and along and along until you get to the point where you purchase. So I love that for L&D to think of that more along that continuum and all the interactions that need to take place, not just within, say, a learning with a capital L, but like how many times does a manager need to check in? What needs to get updated? Thinking that is quite interesting. The other thing, though, with with marketing is how they surface content at the point of need. Sometimes it can get intrusive. You know, if you look at a pair of shoes on uh, on a website and then it follows you around to every platform, it becomes that ad that that haunts you. Um, I don't want that for L&D, but they're very good at looking at the nexus of content in terms of placing it in context using data. Um, and that that I think is 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 a very um, compelling way for L&D to start thinking, especially as we move into the invisible LMS or, or headless LMS, whatever people are calling. For me, when I talk about that, that's just no different than you don't go to Google to be marketed to, right? Google ads comes to you. And so we need to think uh, uh, in terms of, of that experience or so reverse engineering the experience um, is something that, that marketers are really, really, really good at. So possibly like heavily personalized training content? Exactly, exactly. Where, you know, I mean, I remember going even going back to, you know, early days of MarTech, where it was just the ability to put in somebody's name, you know, uh, into an email and be but now they're so hyper personalized to you and how they what they know about you. It can be scary if you think of that data. But on the other times, it can also be extremely, extremely helpful and targeted. And it saved me personally a load of time on my Christmas shopping for the holidays. So, you know, you, you, you have to you have to, you know, decide what, what, what level of data privacy you're comfortable with. And, and that's a whole other topic. Um, but just taking some of those lessons is something that, that I think uh, L&D can, can, can do and learn from. Great. Thanks, Laurie. And um, so just thinking about the event that's coming up in, in February, you'll be doing a, a keynote on that. What, what are some of the things that if people come along to that event, they can expect to um, learn about in that session? Well, the goal of the session, and I'm so thrilled to be uh, invited. I, I always love uh, interacting with the Totara community. Uh, but what we're hoping to uh, give you is some real how-tos. So not just this is what is possible and, and wouldn't this be great. Um, we will do a little bit about what is aspirational, but we want to be, these are the concrete steps that you can take if you want to be more focused with learning with impact, how from start to finish, what you can do right now. And I think that that um, is, is what's needed right now, uh, especially with the deluge of, of tools and, and whistles and bells that are, that are coming out. How do we pare it down to make it something that's actually achievable? And how do you have those conversations too with your business? Because you can build the best process. Um, but if you don't have the buy-in from the business, then that may not work. So we're going to be very, very practical. Brilliant. Thanks, Laurie. And there is a link in the show notes if you'd like to come along to that event. But thanks so much, Laurie, for chatting to us today about what 2023 has been like, what we're looking for in 2024, and some ideas there about how you can start to make an impact in your own, uh, in your own organization. And thanks, Laurie. Is there anything you'd like to close on? Just for me, thank you. Uh, always a pleasure uh, interacting with, uh, with Totora and just uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks a lot, Rory. You've been listening to Totora Talks Talent, a series which goes behind the scenes with learning and development and HR professionals to understand how they use technology to meet meaningful outcomes for their people and organizations. Totora creates talent development software to create lasting employee success. You can learn more at totora.com 
or join our community of learning professionals at toto.community to share ideas and collaborate. Thanks for listening.